Hey, this is Jonathan again. Just letting you know that uh, once again, I didn't record this properly. Um, we're working on that, but we've recorded all of these episodes before we've published and edited them and only just started to recognize that we've made some mistakes. So we're going to try our best to not do this again. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is the Path Focus podcast. I'm Kayleen, a former firefighter turned software developer turned product lead. I'm Jonathan. I'm a former software developer and designer turned entrepreneur, and we're building a bunch of stuff in the wildfire space, and this is our journey. So what are we going to talk about? I want to talk about this app that we are hoping to launch before the fire season. Well, maybe not before the fire season because things are burning now. There's definitely been notifications for fires in BC already. It's the time of year, right? There's usually like pre-season, pre-green up grass burn. What does that mean, pre-green up? Specifically in the north, but I guess everywhere in BC where there's snow and it gets to cold temperatures, all of the grass dies. And so in the spring, when the snow melts, but before it has time for the grass to like regrow and get green, there's this period where it's all dry, dead, super flammable Uh. fuel that will burn really easily. And so there's always like this like preseason in the spring where there's a bunch of grass fires because it's also the time that like farmers want to prep their land for the growing season and that it involves heavy machinery or doing burnoffs. That makes sense, like pre-green up. <laughs> now that you say it, I think I understand what that means. So we we're gonna try and launch an app. And this app is intended for industry people or people who work in the bush. Is that is that a- accurate? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the technical description of it is any person who carries out high-risk activity on or within 300 meters of forest land or grasslands. So somebody who works in the bush. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But, usually, yeah, but, but usually with like equipment and machinery, right? So if they've got anything that can cause a spark, like a chainsaw, heavy equipment, um, does recreational use count or no? Yes, I believe it does. Because, I mean, that definition is just any person carrying out those activities. It doesn't specify in a work setting. I mean, fires can start in recreational activities just as easily as they can in work settings. Right. From our perspective, like we're really aimed at trying to help businesses essentially understand if they can or cannot be out in the bush um, running their chainsaws or running their heavy machinery because the risk is too high that that thing can cast off a spark and that spark can lead to a fire that's difficult to deal with or causing harm and damage. It also is a potentially huge financial cost as well because if you start a fire, you're liable for the cost of putting it out. Even if the province of BC says, it's safe for you to run your chainsaw right now, they don't say, don't run your chainsaw. Um, If I'm out there running my chainsaw and a fire starts and I do my best to put it out and I took all the precautions, am I still on the hook financially for that fire? I'm not entirely sure what the regulations are. I suspect it's like if you didn't do due diligence. So if it like was preventable or if it was like negligence, I don't know if that's the right terminology, then like you're liable. But yeah, you'd have to look into the regulations more. But I mean, like the contrary to that, right? Like he's just said, if... And this is something the province does. They publish their advisory to say, like, right now in this region, it's a super high fire risk. You can't be out using your chainsaw. They explicitly say that. And so then if you go out, you know, and start cutting down some trees and cause a fire, that seems a little clearer to me that you are kind of in violation of what they told you not to do and you mm-hmm. caused a fire. So 
like if that were to go to court, that feels like that would be a harder, <laughs> a harder case to win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when right. it's clearly against regulations, then it's fairly easy to guess that you could be liable for the cost of that. That gets at a little bit of like what we're building here, right? So, so the province does have this website where you can go and check and see what the restrictions are. And the restrictions are a little bit complicated. I mean, I've looked at the table and it's takes a moment to parse it and understand what you can and can't do. Can you explain how this table works? What are the restrictions that are put in place for people that are working with, say, chainsaws or heavy machinery? At the surface level, it's a fairly simple process. You need to go and find which of the government weather stations is most representative of your workplace. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the closest one. It's most representative. So, I mean, even in that, that's like kind of confusing, but that's not really something we're targeting just yet. The restrictions part is once you find that weather station, you have to look at today's danger rating and potentially move backwards a couple of days from that to see what it was for the last few days and use that rating to evaluate what that means in terms of restrictions. And so it's either that you have to have someone watching the area after you're done activities for a certain number of hours just to ensure that there is no fire, like a spark that got got away from you and starts a fire. Um, but then like it can get as as extreme as like you're not allowed to work at all all day. Right. Yeah. As like you can work just not doing the high risk activities, the ones that have right. the potential yeah. for the spark. Right. You know, my my neighbor is a um, arborist, and he was telling me that like the table kind of describes what you can do and what you can't do, but it, they just don't remember it. And the the way that they have to go and figure out what the rating is is a bit complicated and kind of cumbersome. And so our hope was that we can build a little app that will go and look at all the different weather from the most representative weather station, pull that weather down, and then calculate the danger rating for them so that they can see like, oh, it's a danger, fire danger rating five, that's the most extreme uh, and here's the restriction and then we try to calculate that restriction for them because because there is that history of you know if it's a fire danger rating of five for the past three days you have to do this and then you have to do this for so long after uh, so we just kind of try to calculate that for them so that's the goal of this app what are some of the benefits that you think this would provide to industry folks other than just that it's a little bit easier to do I think that's the main benefit. Less time that they have to waste, they can, um, you know, spend that time on more productive activities. Um, I'm hesitant to say that, like, it provides some assurance because I don't really want to put that pressure <laughs> on <laughs> us. <laughs> there's liability in, in saying that, but I kind of do think that, that <laughs> there's some benefit there. Yeah, I mean, the liability is an interesting is an interesting one. That's something that we're going to have to figure out at some point. If we do make a mistake and we say, yeah, it's safe, it's totally fine, and they go out and start cutting stuff and start a fire, are we to blame now? We probably share some of the blame. So sorting out the liability issues will be an interesting thing. I also think it helps them have a clearer view of the weather that is out there. I mean, you can see that by being outside, but a future goal of ours is to add in forecasted data. And I think there's huge value in that for the industry people because it allows them to do some planning, which could save them money if they can like forecast that there will be a restriction for X number of days at this time, then, you know, they can like be like, okay, well, we have to put 
put in a couple extra hours right now when we're allowed to work in order to like fulfill this contract or you know some other scenario like that so we're, we're trying to pull in this weather apply some forecasting in a high level way what is the danger rating so it's a the danger rating is a is a rating system from one to five there's five levels one being the lowest risk and five being the most extreme risk so good chance that a fire will start or is it more so that a if a fire starts it's going to be really hard to deal with it's a big question <laughs> and somewhat complicated of an answer it's ah, it's both okay. it's both of those things um, got it both the the likelihood of a fire starting and the ability to control that fire if it does start it is weighted more towards controlling that fire so um, when it says extreme it's saying that if a fire was to start it would get big really quickly and so like that's sort of what they're trying to prevent is like these really big out of control fires what as a firefighter you'd call like a, a project fire something that initial attack crew can't put out within the day um, oh, okay. like those are the fires that cause a huge risk to um property and like people's safety but also right. cost a ton of money for the province to put out so those right. are like the more concerning that's the more concerning factor to look at and the, and sorry, sorry to like come back to weather a little bit like so all of these so these numbers one through five they are driven primarily by the historic weather historic and current weather like without getting into the the details of it basically the like raw weather data that it it looks at is wind temperature relative humidity and precipitation so four weather factors um but that rely on yesterday's weather as well as today's weather so you have like a seasonal log basically so like the start of the season is driving today's ratings. Does the wind dry things? Is that why wind is incorporated into the history? Yeah, wind is a factor that really changes things on the micro scale. So the fire behavior now versus 10 minutes from now, if the wind changes can be very different compared to other other weather factors um right both because it's you know blowing fire moving fire along the landscape mm -hmm. but also because it's drying those fuels out and making them more easily burnable we got turned on to the weather side of things because we did some work with avalanche canada to basically bring a bunch of weather data together and visualize all of that. And this work that we're trying to do is as a result of trying to find other opportunities to do the same kind of thing. Can we take weather stations from different weather networks and bring them into a single point of entry so that people can find the most representative? Because maybe it's not the one that BC Wildfire Services would typically use. Maybe it's uh, a weather station, like an agricultural weather station that they might not be using to calculate the danger rating. And you're just like, you're, you're working right next to it because you're, you know, you're trying to till your fields. You can see it. Whereas the, maybe the, the wildfire services weather station is a couple of kilometers up the road. If you're 
you know, getting dumped on by rain and that station way up the road is just, you know, hot and dry. You'd like to know that you can go and till even though the weather station up the road says you can't. Yeah, bringing in other weather stations is super useful for this app. Like big industries will often deploy their own weather stations. And so being able to use those to assess whether or not you can work would be more valuable. But if it's, you know, 100 meters on elevation higher, the temperature that it's giving off would be very different than the temperature lower down or vice versa. Like you'll often have wildfire weather stations that are on top of hills. And so the wind factors there are going to be very different than they would be in a valley. Um, So it's just like, it's, it's hard to find the one that is most representative because like I say, it's not always the one that is closest because of the different factors on the environment, especially in BC, which just has like a ton of varying terrain. Yeah. Yeah. BC is wild. So we've got this app. We're going to try and publish this thing to some uh to some beta testers early on uh, and start giving some feedback we don't have a name for it yet (laughs) we're currently calling it the can i work app um and then we're going to try and come up with a new name for it um so that's going to be fun uh what's what's our timeline like what's what what's our planned uh yeah what's our plan for this our plan is to have people using it by june 1st earlier if possible i think the initiative that i set for our developer that's working on it is actually to publish it may 14th oh wow that's a month from now from when we're recording this Mm -hmm. that's exactly a month from now (laughs) oh cool and we've got i mean it's it's a it's an interesting project because it's actually a, a piece of a larger puzzle that we're trying to solve um which is kind of what we're going to uh, try and chronicle here in this podcast, which also doesn't have a name at the moment. Um, People actually I say that it, naming things is one of the hardest things in computing science. It's an old. It's just an old joke. Like it's an old joke in computing science. Is is that joke? Like there's two hard problems in computing science: naming things, cache invalidation, and off by one errors. And it's it's just yeah. It's just, <laughs> I think it's a variation on the line. Uh, there's two hard problems in computing science, naming things and cache invalidation. Um, but <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to try and chronicle this this journey as we're building a bunch of different things in this wildfire space. We've got a whole bunch of... Uh, We've got a, a big roadmap, uh, plans. We're having lots of fun conversations with different people in the industry and uh, and related industries. And um, yeah, it'll be, I think it'll be a fun journey. Um, it's already been a fun journey. Mm-hmm. It has been a fun journey. And uh, we're going to add a podcast into all of that. So <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> One more puzzle piece. One yes. more item in the pod. <laughs> yeah, one more item in the pot. Um, you you have a blog post that kind of talks a bit about the danger rating. Um, uh, we don't know when that's going to be published relative to when this podcast will be published. But if it is published beforehand, we will leave this recording in and link to it from the show notes. In that blog post, you talk about the specifics around how the danger rating is calculated. It's kind of getting at the question you asked me earlier about what the fire danger rating 
means in terms of fire behavior, whether or not it's talking about like the the risk of a fire starting or the, the ability to control the fire. So it just dives more deeply into that, but hopefully not too heavy and in a, in a way that people <laughs> who don't know anything about fires can um, still consume and understand. We hope you join us next time. Um, we don't know what we're going to talk about because we're recording as we go and we'll see where this journey takes us. So tune in next time. Naming things is hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, naming things is so hard. There's, there's two hard problems in computing science. Naming things, cache invalidation, and off by one errors. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You should definitely uh. include that part.